reading from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked. Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, <laughs> They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in these days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. Good morning, everyone. I am so excited to be standing here in front of you this morning, but I'm a little bit nervous too, and I've got a few reasons for this. The first is because this is the first time since being at 2BC, which has been like eight months now, that I've preached and I've had faces looking back at me. It's like, people, it's exciting. The second reason that I'm a little bit nervous, and y'all may not know this, but I am in the third trimester of a kind of surprise pregnancy <laughs> and uh the last time i preached when i was in the third trimester of a pregnancy it sounded a lot like this and then god said oh, <sighs> to jesus that they needed to <sighs> so we're going to work really hard to not let that be a part of this sermon that we've got going this morning 
But the third reason that I'm nervous, and this is probably the main one, is because this is Pentecost Sunday, one of the most important events in all of Scripture. And actually, I put it second only to the resurrection of Jesus as the most life-altering moment for the world, and especially for those of us who believe. But even though this is one of the most important moments in all of Scripture, it's still one of the hardest things for me to stand up here in front of you and talk about because, let's just be real for a second, I'm standing in front of a bunch of well-educated, theologically sound Baptists. We're people who like to think deeply about our faith. We wrestle with scripture. We like to understand context and use knowledge and reason to work out what we believe. And yet today we're talking about the most unreasonable aspect of our God. The person of the Trinity that is the hardest to understand or explain. A situation that defies all logic. A story that doesn't quite fit into our neat little theological boxes. You know, sometimes I feel like we treat the Holy Spirit like that awkward cousin at the family reunion. You know the one I'm talking about, the one that everybody knows belongs. We all know she's a part of the family, but she's a little bit weird, and you don't really know what to say to her or if you really even want to talk to her at all because you never know what you're going to get, and that can make us uncomfortable. And there are some aspects of the Holy Spirit that make us uncomfortable too. And we're going to talk about that. But first, I think it's important to talk about the aspects of the Holy Spirit that we're probably totally fine with. For example, I think most of us are okay with the fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? Love, joy, patience, gentleness, all the rest. These are things that we know are good fruit of the Spirit that hopefully we are producing in our own lives and also in our Christian communities. I think there are also some gifts of the Holy Spirit that we're pretty comfortable with. And now I'm going to pause for a second because I know for some of us, just hearing that phrase, gifts of the Spirit, can make us go, oh, okay, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. But there are some gifts of the Spirit that we're probably totally fine with. Hospitality, for example, is a gift of the Spirit. Teaching, leadership, faith, and love, these are all gifts of the Spirit. According to our scripture, administration is a gift of the spirit. I'm not sure that anybody's ever walked up to a preschool director or an administrative pastor and said, now listen, I've got some theological issues with what you do. It's just a little too charismatic for my taste. Connie, has that ever happened to you? All right. I didn't, I didn't think so, but I just, I just wanted to check. These gifts of the Spirit are good gifts given to us by a good God. And when we are believers and that Spirit is living inside of us, all of us have been given these gifts in some form or another. But this is also where things get a little bit dicey. Because when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we do have to talk about those more supernatural things that sometimes make us uncomfortable. Maybe this is because we can't understand them or explain them. Or maybe this is because we've seen people claim this Holy Spirit power in manipulative or harmful ways. But whatever the reason, I think we tend to close ourselves off from things that seem off to us. But my worry is that we end up closing ourselves off to the Holy Spirit, either in part or entirely. A similar thing happened to a woman named Sarah Bessie who is a Christian author and speaker, and she is a self-proclaimed progressive and charismatic Christian. 
And a few years ago, she was in a car accident and it left her with life-altering, debilitating pain that completely changed how she lived. Um, as she was navigating this new pain, she, along with some other Christian leaders, got invited to Rome to go meet the Pope for Pentecost Sunday. And she wasn't sure if she wanted to go, first because she was navigating this new pain, but also because her own views of theology and faith in the church were just so very different than Catholicism, and she just wasn't sure if she wanted to go. But she ends up going anyway. She has a few very interesting experiences, but probably the most interesting thing that ended up happening to her in Rome is that she had made the acquaintance of these two Catholic priests, and one day they asked if they could pray for her for healing. And she said yes, and they prayed, and she received a miraculous healing that day. Now, she tells this story in her book called Miracles and Other Reasonable Things, and one of the things she says in that book is that she believes that healings can happen, but she never really thought that it would happen to her, and she definitely never thought it would happen through the prayers of two Catholic priests. She says it was a moment of realizing that the Holy Spirit is much bigger than just her own little charismatic bubble, that the work of the Holy Spirit in this world is so much more expansive than she even realized. And I know many of us might not be where Sarah Bessie is regarding our thoughts on the Holy Spirit, but that is still true, that the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit is so much more expansive than we often give credit for. Even if some of those spiritual gifts make us uncomfortable, the spiritual gifts of the Spirit are just one small facet of all of the things that the Holy Spirit does in this world and in our lives. And we see this expansiveness even on the day of Pentecost. Now, of course, the miracle, the miraculous part of that day is something that usually gets talked about the most. But there are other aspects of this more expansive Holy Spirit that we see in this story. And I want to touch on them just briefly. So the first one is this. The Holy Spirit empowers people to do the work of God in the world. We see that through the disciples, right? The Holy Spirit gives them this miraculous power of speaking in tongues. But the Holy Spirit also empowers Peter to preach the first sermon since the resurrection. And it must have been a pretty incredible sermon, too, because 3,000 people came to know Jesus that day. And we have to remember that these disciples, they were humans just like us. They may have been shy or introverted or uncomfortable talking to strangers. Peter, we know, struggled with fear. And just a few weeks earlier, he had even denied that he knew Jesus whatsoever. He often said the wrong thing at the wrong time. And yet on this day, the Holy Spirit empowered them all in spite of their personalities or their education levels or their comfort levels in talking to other people. The Spirit empowered them to do the work of God in this world. We also see on the day of Pentecost that the Spirit unites people, gathered the church together. This is the day that the Spirit birthed the church, which included people from all languages and backgrounds and cultures, people that had nothing in common except for the fact that they believed in Jesus. Being united is a work of the Spirit. And the last thing that we see that's probably the most important, is that the Spirit revealed God to the world that day. You know, the Spirit has been doing this since the beginning of time. We see all throughout the Old Testament where the Spirit reveals God to people. And a lot of times that happens through fire. Think 
Moses and the burning bush or the pillar of fire that led the Israelites through the wilderness at night during the Exodus. There's a story where God appears to the Israelites on Mount Sinai as fire. Daniel chapter 7 even tells about a vision where Daniel has this vision of God and God is seated on a fiery throne and flames of fire are streaming from God's presence. In fact, the, the annual festival of Pentecost often used fire as a symbol because even the people knew that this was a sign of God's self-revelation. And here on this particular day of Pentecost, God shows up again. The Holy Spirit shows up this time through tongues as of fire and rests on all of the disciples. So everybody at that festival knows, okay, God is here. God is at work. God is doing something big. And that's just a snapshot of the more expansive work of the Holy Spirit. But we know that those things all still happen today. The Spirit continues to empower us, all of us, collectively and individually to do the work of God in the world. The Spirit continues to unite us, not just as a church like Second Baptist, but also as the global church of Christ. And the Spirit continues to reveal God in our lives and through us to the world. And that doesn't even start to mention all the other things that the scripture says that the spirit does like let's see the spirit adopts us as children the spirit guides us the spirit comforts us the spirit convicts us of sin the spirit sets us free from sin the spirit sets us free from all sorts of other things too the work of the spirit in this world is so much bigger than just these things that we sometimes get uncomfortable with and if we only relegate the spirit to the role of the awkward cousin I'm afraid we're going to miss out on this abundant life that Christ promises because the Bible tells us that the Spirit is the source of that life. But we also need to address this big miracle thing because that's kind of a big aspect of the day of Pentecost. So we're going to talk about that, but before we do, I want to tell you a story. My friend Brady went on a lot of different mission trips from his teenage years through his early 20s. And on one particular trip, he was with a small group of people in a foreign country, and they had been working in a village all week long. And towards the end of their week, they were walking through the village to go to lunch, and a woman came up to them and asked if they would pray for her. So the group got their leader and got their interpreter, and they gathered around this woman, and the leader began to pray. And about halfway through, the interpreter stopped translating the prayer. Now, the leader didn't know what was going on, what had happened, but he didn't want to like interrupt the moment to stop and ask. So he just finished his prayer in English, and the lady, you know, he said amen. The lady thanked them and then went on her way, and the group continued walking to lunch. And as they were walking, the leader walked up next to the interpreter and said, hey, so like what happened back there? I don't know, you know, are you okay? Is, was everything all right? And the interpreter kind of looked at him with these wide eyes and said, you mean you don't know? And the leader's like, like, no, what, what are you talking about? He thought maybe something was happening outside of their prayer circle or something. And the interpreter said, I stopped translating because you started speaking our language. I didn't, I didn't need to translate anymore because you were doing it yourself. I'm just going to let us sit with that story for a second and remind us that on the day of Pentecost, the sound of a mighty rushing wind filled the place where the disciples had gathered. And then tongues as a fire appeared in the air 
and rested upon each one of them. And then the scripture tells us that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then each of them started speaking in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I don't know about you, but I have absolutely no problem believing that story on the day of Pentecost. I think it is amazing and a miracle, and I wish I had been there to see it. But the first time I heard my friend Brady's story, I was a little bit skeptical. I asked a whole lot of questions to make sure I had all the details right. I offered alternative explanations to try to make sense of what happened. And I thought about it for a really long time because cognitively, I could not make sense of it. And I wonder, have any of you ever experienced something like that or heard something that you, that you couldn't explain with your rational cognitive mind? That we couldn't reason our way through? And when that happened, did you respond with wonder like I do with the day of Pentecost? Or did you respond with suspicion like I did with my friend Brady? If we claim to believe the story of Pentecost, and I hope we do because we're all here together celebrating it today, then we must not deny that in addition to the expansive work of the Holy Spirit, in addition to the gifts of the Spirit that we're all totally fine with, sometimes God does choose to work through the Spirit in ways that we cannot explain, in these supernatural, miraculous ways. And when this happens, like at Pentecost, it's not a cognitive, reasonable thing. It's an experience. And we don't reason our way through experiences. We simply open ourselves up to them. We simply open ourselves up to it and receive it. I wonder what our lives would look like if we opened ourselves up to the Holy Spirit more. If we invited the Spirit to move and work in our lives in expansive ways, in whatever ways God so deemed fit, what new thing, big or small, might the Holy Spirit do in us or through us? You know, in preparing for this sermon, I talked to a few people about it at Second Baptist, and I learned that there are a few people in our congregation who have had experiences like this, where they had situations happen to them or to someone they knew that they could not explain. But some of them were really hesitant to even talk about those experiences because they were afraid that the rest of us were going to look at them like they were the awkward cousin. But I think we need to hear these stories. I think it reminds us that God is still doing amazing work in this world and it opens us up to the movement and the power of the Holy Spirit in our own lives. As a church, we know that God is always present and at work. We sing songs like, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me, or Spirit, lead me where your trust is without borders, like Grace just sang earlier. I wonder what would happen if we really meant those songs, not just individually, but even collectively as a congregation. How might God move through the life of our church if we were more open to this expansive work of the Holy Spirit? You know, I think we are right on a precipice. We are coming out of a 15-month worldwide upheaval. And I think God is ready and gearing up to do a new thing a new thing in the church, and a new thing in the world through God's church. What new thing might God be wanting to do in us and through us for the world? What new life might await us on the other side?
And are we open to experiencing it? I think we should reclaim the Holy Spirit. Let's reclaim our identities as spirit-filled people, knowing that that term is as expansive as the Holy Spirit is. Let's no longer be content to just wave at the awkward cousin as we walk the other direction, but let's embrace her. Let's be open to what the Spirit is going to do, and let's see where God takes us.